right, church, say amen. amen. Grab your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter number 1. Last, last week we stopped in verse number 34, so we'll start in verse 35 tonight. If you need a lesson, if you need a lesson, raise your hand. Anybody need a lesson? Need a lesson way back there, right here in the front? Who's going to help us out with that? Who's got the lessons? Who's going to run around? Hey, little Jeff, <coughs> grab those lessons back there if you see any on that chair back there. Raise your hand real high again one more time. Everybody, raise your hand real high. We've got one right here and, and, and one in the, in the front, one in the front here. All right. All right, right up here, Jeff. Right up here. Anybody else? Everybody good in the balcony? All right. All right. Let's look in John chapter 1 <coughs> in verse 35. Last week, uh, last week we found the unveiling, uh, the, the in, right here, Jeff. Right there we go. You got it? All right, cool. Uh, the unveiling of the Lord Jesus Christ. John the Baptist, uh, he is baptizing. He is the representative. He's the forerunner. He's the one who is to present the Lord Jesus to the nation of Israel. Uh, he was not the Messiah. He was the forerunner of the Messiah. He said, I'm not him, but there's one coming after me whose shoe latched I'm not even worthy to latch. He said, I'm baptizing with water, but there's one coming after me that's going to baptize with the Holy Ghost. And not only the Holy Ghost, but baptize with fire. Talking about judgment. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. So, here we have the Lord is revealed. We know who He is. The Word, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Later on down the chapter, and the Word became flesh and dwelled among us. And we beheld His what? His glory. We know this is talking about Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God the Son. He's, we see His humanity and we see His deity. He is revealed to us. So, now what? Now what? Last week we learned God is with us. That's what Emmanuel means, God with us. God came and dwelt here on this earth with us in human flesh. God is with us, so what now? Now we follow Him. The whole rest of this chapter is dealing with following Him. Two words I found over and over and over again, from verses 35 all the way to verse 51, is finding and following. Finding and following. And we're going to go through that here today. Are you ready to study? Say amen. Again the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. He's presenting. He's presenting Jesus as the Lamb of God. He's presenting Jesus as the Messiah, as the sacrifice. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, Be an interpreted master. Where dwellest thou? And he saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard, him, heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He, what's that word? First. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. 
The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter, and Philip then findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Does that word sound familiar? What's he doing? He's saying the same thing that Jesus said a while ago. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith unto him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily. Now, always remember, when you see that word, verily, verily, it means truly, truly. And it means pay attention, pay attention. Say amen. What I'm fixing to say is very, verily important. Amen. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word today. Thank you for the privilege to be able to teach it. Uh, Lord, thank you for the opportunity to study it. Now, God, help me have the ability to deliver it in such a way that everybody can understand. And, Lord, we can receive something from you. Encourage us, Lord, and teach us and develop us. And, Lord, help us to be better Christians today than we were yesterday. And, God, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. As we go through the lesson, as we go through the outline, I want to try to stick as much to the outline as we can. Uh, it, there's various truths that we're not going to... Usually, usually when, when I start with a subject or something, we'll stay with that subject and we'll just hit it, and, and every point will be based upon that particular subject and reinforce the truth of that subject. But as I went through the, the verses from 34, or excuse me, 35 all the way to 51, there was just different things that stood out in these different verses when it comes to following Jesus. And, 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 and so I want to do this. It may seem like it's, a, it's, it's haphazard or it's a little bit jumbled, but that, that's fine. It doesn't matter. We're just going through the verses, studying the verses, and finding what they'll mean to us. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. So the first thing I want you to see is the presentation. The presentation. John Baptist, John Baptist, he is in his ministry he is still in his ministry. This is even after Jesus has been, uh, Jesus is baptized and he is his, he's kind of uh, beginning his ministry. And this is, what, this is what John Baptist does. He tells people that are following him, he's telling people who believe in him, he said, look, look at here. This is the one I've been talking about. This is the one I've been preaching about. This is the one I've been trying to get you ready for. This is him. That's him. And they leave him. And we know by study, we know that the two that he was talking about was Andrew, and we know the other one was John himself, the writer of this particular book. So we have these two disciples. They leave John, and they start following, or they go after Jesus. Now you say, what's, what's significant about that verse? One thing that stood out to me here is one word, and it is important. And we need to all get this. It's the word influence. Say that with me. Say it again. 
John had influence over these two men. And not only did he have influence over these two men, he used his influence. Now, I want everybody to get this, and you please understand this. Every person in this room, you, whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not, you have influence. Statistics say, pr professionals that study this all the time, say most people on this earth have influence over eight people. When I say eight people, I'm talking about significant influence. You have, whether it's family members, uh, whether it's relatives, uh, whether who, it may be friends, it may be acquaintances at work that look up to you, that listen to you, that pay attention to you. You say, well, I don't have that much influence. You have more influence than you think. And here we have these two men, these two men who are following John. They, are, they believe in John's message. They believe in what John has been preaching and what John has been teaching. And because of their influence, they follow Jesus. So two things I want you to write down in your notes if you're taking notes. First, I want you to see the power of influence. The power of influence. And two things under, underneath there is what I want you to follow. Two, where, where do we have power? We have power in our walk. We have power in our walk. We influence people by the way we behave. People watch us. Are y'all understanding me? Matter of fact, let me just go ahead and, and, and just get on out on that limb out there and say this. People watch what you do more than they hear what you say. Words are important. But actions are even more important. And the problem with Christianity today is we have way too many Christians who are saying one thing and they're living another. You, you can't say, oh, how I love Jesus and then hate your brother. The Bible clearly says that. How are you going to love? How are you going to love somebody you can't see while you hating the one you can see? Man is quiet tonight. Right? We, 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 we talk a good game, we say how much we're Christians, and then we go and live a completely opposite life of what we're saying. I'm telling you, your behavior has influence on those around you. Not only your walk, but then your words. Watch what it says. Watch what it says in verse number, let's see, in verse number 36. It says, in looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples, verse 37, and the two disciples, what's that next word? The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. They followed Jesus. What does that mean? What does that mean? Because of what he said, they followed Jesus. That's the power of influence. Now let me ask you a question. Are people choosing or wanting or desiring to follow Jesus because the way you're living your life or the words that you are saying. I'm going to just pause and let you verily, verily contemplate that. We're Christians. Matter of fact, we're the only Christ lost people will see. And you say, well, preacher, I just, I just uh, you know, I, I, I don't have influence. Yes, you do. 
But the problem is, there's no neutral in influence. There's no neutral in influence. You're either negative or you're positive. You're either pointing to Jesus or you're pointing away from Jesus. And you have influence. And your influence is powerful. But now, listen, write this down on the next point. Not only the power of influence, but don't you see the purpose of influence? The reason God gives you influence, the reason that God puts you around people is so that you can point them to Jesus. John Baptist came with a calling. He came with a commission. He came with a purpose. He came preaching out of the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. And his whole purpose was this, to point people to Jesus. He was a rock star in his time. Crowds were coming out to see him. But when Jesus came upon the scene, this is what John said in his own words, he must increase, but I must You know what I think sometimes? I think the problem in Christianity and a lot of times in church is we have a tendency to want to point people to ourselves. And then when we stop getting credit, when we stop getting recognition, when we stop getting that pat on the back and God gets all the glory and we get none of it, we get upset. I've seen this, I've seen this tons of times. People didn't get to sing when they wanted to sing or people didn't get to do or their name didn't get announced or this didn't happen or that didn't happen. And we got to ask our question, why are we doing what we're doing? John knew and John understood there was a day when he was the big deal. There was the day when he was number one in the community. But when Jesus come upon the scene, listen, he ceased to be important. He ceased to be significant. He said, it's not about me. He pointed them to Jesus. Influence is important. There's a presentation. We see the presentation. Then, then number two. <clears throat> number two. I want you to see this. <clears throat> Don't you see the interrogation? <clears throat> the interrogation. Look at verse 38. Then Jesus turned and saw them following and saith unto them. What did he say? What seek ye? What do you want? Now he's a... <laughs> Imagine this. Imagine Jesus. He's walking. He's walking. And, 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 and here these two guys are. Jesus turns. He says, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? Now, here's, here's the word that come to mind. The first word that come to mind when I read the other is influence. The influence that John had on these two men. But now the word that comes to mind is motive. Motive. And you say, why is that important? You've you got to understand something. Jesus cares about why you do what you do motive now now here's here's let's go back let's go back a little bit and there is a time how many y'all remember how many y'all remember when jesus took a lad's lunch you remember when there was five thousand men hungry now we know there's probably women and children there's families here there's there's so there's probably some some bible scholars have estimated up to fifteen thousand people and jesus says let's feed them Let's feed them. They didn't know what to do. So we ain't got that much food. How are we going to feed them? It's all we got is this little lad's lunch. And what is this among so many? He said, bring it here. And he took it. Y'all know the story. He took it and blessed it. 
and he broke it, and he fed all of them, had 12 baskets left over. Are y'all with me? I mean, everybody, everybody got everything they wanted. The Bible said they ate till they couldn't eat no more. Say amen. They were completely full, and God had 12 baskets left over. Now, most people, most people think that's the end of the story. All right, great, the end. But that's not the end. Do you know the people, they started talking amongst themselves as soon as the buffet was over, as soon as everything was done, they started talking among themselves, and there became a rumble in all of that crowd. And you know what they said? We need to make him a king. We need read it. It's there. We need to make him a king. Hey, let's make him a king. He got free food. That kind of sounds like today, doesn't it? Let's vote us some freebies. Amen. And you know what Jesus did? Now watch, I'm going somewhere with this. I promise you I'm going somewhere with this. You know what Jesus did? He hurried up and got his disciples together, put them in a boat, sent them out, and he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. He got away from the crowd. You say, why did he get away from the crowd? They were wanting to make him king. Exactly. Exactly. They were wanting to make him king, not because he already was king, not because he was the son of God, not because he came and he was the creator and he was the Messiah and he was the savior. He was the free bread giver. He knew their motive. And their motive was free food. Their motive was, hey, he can give us something. They didn't come to him as a Messiah. Are y'all with me? And do you know we're living in a day where people want God when they get in trouble? People want God when they have problems. People want God when everything's going bad. But you let everything go good. You let the bills get paid. You let the kids be healthy. You let mama be happy. And I'm telling you, you can't find them with the FBI. They'll be everywhere but in God's house. Now, I'm, listen, I don't have no issue. I don't have no issue with going on vacation. I love vacation. Matter of fact, I'm going to take another one. Say amen. <laughs> Ain't nothing. But I tell you what, you can tell, you can tell when the economy's good. You can tell when everything's going great. You can, mm, hello, but you let, you let planes fly into some towers, and, and people will come out like, with the, like, like, like turning the lights on with roaches in the room, say amen. But you ought not talk like that. Well, they ought not to act like that. Y'all know. Y'all know. Y'all know the people y'all don't never see till there's a problem. Till they get a call from the doctor. Till she threatens to leave. Till they lose their job. They all about God then. You know what Jesus is saying? What are you wanting? What are you looking for? What are you seeking? What seek ye? You know what he's saying? What's your motive? What's your motive? And I love their answer. Their answer is, Rabbi, 
And the word rabbi means master. Listen, I, I, I read this in a commentary, and I thought it was, it, was pretty, it was pretty provocative. It says, as you read the gospel records, note that our Lord was never impressed by the great crowds. He knew that their motives were not pure and that most of them followed him in order to watch his miracles of healing. We must never be deceived by the popularity of Jesus Christ among certain kinds of people today. Very few, very few want him as Savior and Lord. Many want him as healer or provider, or the one who rescues them from problems they may have had for themselves, or may have made for themselves. And it says, and yet, Jesus said this in John 5, 40, and yet ye will not come to me that ye might have life. So I don't, I don't think Jesus cares that much about why, as long as we're there. You think so? Then go read in Revelation chapter number 2, the letter to the church of Ephesus. This is what Jesus has to say about the, the church of Ephesus. He said, he said, I've seen your works. I've seen how you have labored. I've seen how hard that you have tried to serve. I've seen you not putting up with sin. I've seen all that you've done. You, you didn't put up with evil. You've worked hard. You've done all these. And I'm talking about this list is pretty significant. Most any pastor in America would love for their church to be described as Jesus is describing this church, the church of Ephesus here in this letter. But then he turns around and says this, I have somewhat against thee. He said, out of all the things I've told you that's great and that's important, that's wonderful, he said, I got a problem. Even though you're working hard, even though you're not putting up with sin, even though you're doing all of these things, he said, I have somewhat against thee. He said, you've left your first love. That doesn't have anything to do with activity. That has everything to do with motive. He's not saying, I got a problem with what you're doing. I've got a problem with why you're doing it. Y'all with me? Listen, I have, he said, remember from when start falling. You've left your first love. There was a day when the church of Ephesus was a hotbed of soul winning. There was a day in Ephesus where people loved God and they loved sinners and they did everything in the world they could do to go and serve God and they did it because they loved God. They did it because they were adoring God. They did it because they wanted to do something for the one that had done everything for them. But now they have resulted and now they have fallen back to doing it because nobody else should do it. Doing it out of obligation. Doing it because they felt like they were supposed to. Well, I'm here to tell you, if you do it out of obligation, you won't do it long. And Jesus knows that. He says, remember from whence thou art fallen. Repent and do thy first works. Or else, I, this, is how, this is how serious God is about our motives. He said, or else I will come quickly and remove thy candlestick out of his place. He said, what does that mean? The candlestick was in the holy place, in the tabernacle in the Old Testament. It was a golden candle, the candlestick that was to burn continually. The people were to bring olive oil, and it was to burn continually, and it represented the presence of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. And he is saying this, in the church, we are to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're to teach in the power of the Holy Spirit, preach in the power of the Holy Spirit, sing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And if we're doing it for the wrong reason, if we're doing it with the wrong motive, he said, I will take my spirit away and you'll do everything you do with natural ability and not in the power of God. 
Repent or else I will come quickly and remove thy candlestick out of his place. Else thou repent. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm asking you this. I'm asking you the same thing that Jesus asked those disciples. What seek ye? Why did you come tonight? Why do you do what you do? Why are you what you are? Did you come to Jesus because you need a Messiah? Did you come to Jesus because he means everything to you? Did you come to Jesus to submit to him and submit to his authority and submit to his direction? Or do you need a spare tire? Do you need somebody to get you out of trouble? Now listen. (laughs) Come to him. Come to him. Now here's the thing. If it took a crisis to get you to Jesus, okay. But don't make it be a crisis that keeps you with him. You say, Bridget, what are you saying? I'm I'm saying this. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. What's your motive? I didn't really mean for this Bible study to be kind of this provocative or intense, but it is what it is. Before they can follow him, before they can become his disciples, he said, I need to know your motive. I need to know why you want to follow me. And they said, Master, we're not looking for a handout. We're not looking for, listen, we're not like those people. We're not looking for a freebie. We're not looking for a free sandwich. Hey, we're looking for a master. And you know what he said? Where, watch this. Let me, let me, let's say, let's just say how how it's worded. Where do you dwell? Alabama translation. Where are you hanging out? I don't know about y'all, but I kind of want to be where he hangs out. What did David say? You know, the man after God's own heart? This one thing have I desired, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, that I may behold his beauty and inquire in his temple. He even said this, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. You know what David's saying? I want to be where he is. In thy presence is fullness of joy. Are y'all with me? You say, where do you want to be? Wherever he is. I want to be in his presence. I want to be with him. And that's what they're saying. We want to be where you are. Did you notice they didn't ask for anything? They wasn't requesting anything. They didn't say, hey, we got this mortgage coming up. He just said, where are you going to be? Y'all with me? Let's move along. We'll never finish it. I have no clock. I have no clock. I cannot be held responsible for going late if I have no clock, people. Okay? All right. It's going to be a long night. Say amen. amen. Number three. Number three. We see an activation. What happened? What happened? Two things. Two things. They said, uh. Uh, y'all, y'all messing me up on Wednesday. I, I, I've got to be confined because we're short camera people, and they said stay in here. I said not on Wednesday, people. Amen. <laughs> I, I keep forgetting. Amen. All right. 
He said, he said come and see. And look what, look what the Bible says. Look what the Bible says, the very next verse. Look what it says. It says in verse number 39, <clears throat> He saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt, and, say it with me, and, and, they abode with him that day. Look here, two things I want you to write down under activation. They fellowshiped. <clears throat> they fellowship. That's what the word abode means. It means to remain. It mean, basically, it just means to hang out with. Do you realize that's the same word, the very same word that's in John 15? Y'all remember? I'm the vine, you're the branches. You abide, same word, abode, abide, same Greek word. Abode, abide. If you abide in me and I in you, you shall bear much fruit. All right? Now look at the second thing. Look at the second thing. And we're going to connect these two, all right? First they fellowship, then they found. Then they found. What's happening? There's an activation. There's an activation. You cannot hang out with Jesus and not get active. Now think about this. There are so many churches, there are so many places that are emphasizing the going and the soul winning and the finding. Hey, go invite, go invite. And we're doing that. We're praying over these invite cards. And, and I'm kind of stressing, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm just a little, a little, little worried. What, what's going on? Do you realize that Fairview had twice as many first-time attenders as we did Sunday? Everybody say, woo, that's great. No, no, that's bad for y'all. <laughs> that means we're not doing our job. We're praying over these invites, but are we giving them out? And we're, 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 we're emphasizing this. We're emphasizing, hey, but you know what I found? If we're not abiding, we're not going to be finding. It is abiding in Christ. That's the, way, that's the way he got it. In John 15, the order is this. Abide in me, and I in you, and ye shall bear much fruit. What happened first? It wasn't the finding. It was the fellowshipping. They hung out with Jesus all that day. They abided with him. They abode with him. They fellowshiped with him. They talked with him. They enjoyed his presence. They heard his word. They conversed with him and enjoyed him. And the first thing that happened when they left his presence, we got to go find somebody. And you know what I think? The problem is not necessarily the finding. I think the problem is the fellowshipping. We're not spending time in his presence. We're not spending time abiding with Him. We're not reading our Bible. We spent four weeks preaching on abiding and fellowshipping and devotional work, and we're not doing it. Because if we were doing it, we'd have people sitting beside us tonight. We would sure have people sitting beside us Sunday. Because the first thing that happens when you leave the presence of God is you've got to go tell somebody what you heard. It does not cease to amaze me every time I've spent extended amount of time studying before I get out here it could be for Sunday maybe I've, I've been there on Thursday or Friday and, and, and the first thing that happens you can ask any staff member just right back there first thing I want to do is hey let me show you something because I know I got to wait a few hours to tell y'all so I got to hurry up and tell somebody and if you've ever spent time in the Word and God said something to you, the first thing you're going to want to do is tell somebody else. And usually they don't want to hear it. 
that's the truth. I mean, it, it is. And, and I found out, why don't, why, Lord, why don't they get excited about it? Did? He said, because it wasn't for them. But I want you to be excited about telling them. Right? Fellowship and finding. Fellowship and finding. Now, look at, look at two things under this. When it, comes to, when it comes to finding, when it comes to finding, <clears throat> there's two things. I don't know if I, I may have done printing them out for you, but there's, there's a priority ministry. Did I give you that or is that, is that a blank? It's there? All right, a priority ministry. What, what, is the, what is the word? Look in verse number, look in verse number, uh, let's see. Verse 41. Verse 41. It says he, everybody say he, first thing he did. What does that mean? It was a priority to him. It was a priority to him. Not as only as a priority, it's personal. Now watch this. Watch this, guys. This is something, this is something that we need to understand. <clears throat> Do you realize our first ministry is our family? I've heard, I've heard men of God, April, you can testify this. You've heard them tons of times at, at Victory, that, that went all over the world, winning people to Christ, neglected their family, and they said we were a failure. Because our first responsibility is our family. Now let me, let, let me, let me, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Can, can all y'all be honest for about 53 seconds? <clears throat> At least lie to me. Come on. Be honest about lying. Amen. <laughs> how many of you, how many of you will raise your hand and say, Preacher, I have a family member that's lost. Raise your hand. I have a family member. Raise your hand. Real high, real high. I have a family member that's lost. Guess what? You have influence over them. Not only do you have influence over them, but you have a responsibility to them. Do you notice that these people, the first person they found was their own family? Now, let me say this. I don't know about you. I don't know about you. It may be different with you. It might be just me and the, the way... I'm made, I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes with me, the hardest people for me to witness to is my family. It's, it's like I can talk to a total stranger easier than I can talk to my own family. I can't explain that. I, 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 don't, I don't know what I did. I, it, it might be because the Lord or the devil knows that that's our first responsibility. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. We need to pray. Do you know what I would do this coming Easter? Listen, Easter is the greatest opportunity that we have to get somebody under the gospel and, and get somebody to hear the gospel. The first people I would target was my family. Period. That's what we see here. That's the example we find here. Not only was it personal, they made it a priority. They first findeth their own brother. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you go through the Gospels and you see Andrew, he's constantly bringing people to Jesus. He, Andrew's the one that brought the lad to Jesus with the lunch. Andrew is constantly bringing people to Jesus. But the first one he brought, it was his family. So, when we come into Jesus' presence, it's going to activate us. When we spend time abiding in his presence, we're going to want to tell somebody. And the first person we need to make a priority is our 
family. And all God's people say it. All right, let's look at the next one. Look at the next one. We see they fellowship, they abode, they spent time with Jesus. They hung out with him. Listen, it says in verse 40, And one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. All right? So number four, I want you to see a transformation. A transformation. I love this part. Now, see, this is where it's going to get. There's like It's almost like it changes subjects, but it really stays with the flow of what's going on. I want you to write this down. There is a proclamation of potential. Here comes Peter. Everybody knows the life of Peter and the story of Peter. Here we find a fisherman, a hothead, got an attitude, maybe, maybe a little arrogant, maybe a little arrogant, somewhat of a potty mouth. I'm just, I'm just telling you what the Bible has said about this man, right? This, this, is, this is who we got. I mean, we got a fisherman who, who, who yeah, cusses like a sailor. Amen. The Bible records him cursing, records him getting angry. He, he got angry at Jesus. He more vehemently, that means angry, people. He argued with Jesus. Even to the point, even to the point that Jesus had to say, get thee behind me, Satan. He's the only one in the New Testament Jesus called the devil. Amen. But here he is sitting right here, and he's proclaiming something. He says, thou art, thou art, but then it says, thou shalt be. Thou art, but thou shalt be. He said, right now, you Simon, but thou shalt be a stone. A rock. What's he saying? You're going to be a rock. You're going to be a foundation. And you know what, by the way, when you get to the book of Acts, you'll find out that's exactly what he became. This, this cussing, angry sailor who was arrogant that constantly put his foot in his mouth all the way to his kneecap. Can anybody relate? Say amen. amen. This person with issues, he's saying you got great potential. Isn't it amazing that Jesus can see exactly who you are? But even more importantly, he can see what you can become. Hey, don't, don't ever, don't ever mistake the fact Jesus knows exactly who you are. He knows exactly the weaknesses you have. He, he, he told Peter, he said, listen, your, your spirit's willing, but your flesh is weak. Peter said, uh-uh, uh-uh, not me, not me. He said, son, you're going to deny me. Before the cock crows, you're going to deny me. Not me, not me. Oh, yeah, you. And he loved him anyway. And he chose him anyway. Jesus knows our weakness. He knows our issue. But guess what? He can see potential. He can see that you can do something for God. It's not just about what you think you have or what other people think you have. The most important thing is what does Jesus think you have? Say amen. Listen. He's proclaiming potential. He's changing his name. He's changing his name to a rock. Now watch, 
I, I went through, I went through and I studied, uh, don't have time to do it tonight, but, but looked at the different places where God changed people's names. He changed Abram to Abraham, Sarai to Sarah. He even changed, I didn't even, I didn't even remember this, I don't know why I didn't remember this, but do you know he changed Solomon's name to Jedediah? David and, and, and Bathsheba called Solomon Solomon, but God, by the hand of Nathan the prophet, said his name's going to be Jedediah, which means loved of God. Now you say, what's the big deal about that? Y'all know what to deal with David and Bathsheba. If you don't, go study it. Bad, bad. Adultery, I'm talking about murder, all kind of bad stuff. But you know what? God turned that thing around, and God took a terrible, messed up situation. I mean, a bad, it don't get no worse than that. And he got, you know what that tells me? He's a second chance God. And here, he's stating, listen, he is stating potential. And I'm so glad that God can change us from what we were to what we can be in Jesus' name. Say amen. Not only a proclamation of potential. This is my favorite part. Don't you see this? A process of promotion. A process of promotion. How many of y'all know Peter didn't change overnight? You say, what is the... Everybody write that down and look at me because I need your undivided attention because I'm running out of time. I need everybody to get this. Everybody to get this. This is so important. This is important. This is good, too. You're going to like it. What is the process of promotion? If we take Peter's life as an example, this is the process of promotion. Faith and failure. Faith and failure. It's already on your notes. You ain't got to write it. Faith and failure. Do you know do you know the man who said when Jesus was walking out on the water, can I, can I, can I, can I, can I? He says, come on. He's walking on the water. The same man who had enough faith to ask Jesus, let me do that, and he did do that. The same man that exercised that kind of faith, when he saw the waves, he began to sink. Do you know that the same man that said, when Jesus asked, who do men say that I am? Peter stands up and said, we believe thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And you know what Jesus said? Flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Unto thee I give the keys to the kingdom. What you shall loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. What you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Man, what faith! That's the same guy said, I know not the man. Some of y'all are not getting it. Do you know what that means? That means there's going to be times in your life you're going to exercise great faith. You're going to be a, just a monument of faith and you're going to stand in the fire and you're going to do great. But then there's other times you're going to do terrible. And you're not going to have any faith. And you're going to flounder. And you're going to get flustered. And you're going to get frustrated. But it's all part of the process. Amen. Don't quit and don't give up and don't think God hates you because God still wants to keep you on the team. Just hang in there. Everything will be all right. It's just a process. You're going to fall, but he's going to pick you back up. 
You're going to get bloodied, but he'll wipe it off. You're going to get dirty, hey, he'll clean you up. It doesn't matter. Don't quit. Don't fail. Don't, don't, listen, when, when, the, when, the, when the chicken goes to crowing, don't stop there because axe is coming. Rooster goes to crowing. I don't guess the chicken does nothing. A rooster is a chicken. A rooster. Whatever. Y'all knew what I meant. Bunch of negative people. I knew I messed up when I looked at her and Steve was doing, oh. Are y'all with me? What, what, if, what if Peter would have quit? What if Peter would have quit when he was weeping? And he was weeping so hard, the Bible said he went out and wept bitterly to the point he had no more tears. The same man who said, I will never walk out on you. He's the same man that after the resurrection, he said, I'm going fishing. And that wasn't saying, I'm going to go catch a bass. He was saying, I quit. I tried this ministry thing. I was not good at it. I tried to be a fisher of men, but look where it got me. I quit. Y'all with me? You say, what's the, you say, I don't, I don't see the point. If you'll turn to Acts chapter 2, not tonight, in your homework. Well, you can tonight when you go home. <clears throat> Acts chapter number 2. Peter stands on the day of Pentecost and he preaches the house down to the point that they say, men and brethren, what must we do? And thousands got saved. Preacher, I just don't see my potential because you're probably in the process. You, you, may be, you may be Joseph in the pit or Joseph at Potiphar's house or maybe Joseph in the prison when God has a plan for you to get to the palace. Sometimes when, you're, when you haven't made it to the palace yet, it's hard to see your potential. Am I preaching to anybody tonight? Well, help me. Amen. That's better right there. Amen. I don't know about y'all, but sometimes, man, when I when I make mistakes, I just the devil will jump on your back and say, "Hmm." Man, sometimes I think I got saddle sores. He's got a saddle on my back riding me. Listen, I heard a, I heard a preacher say one time, "Bless God, if the devil riding your back, take the saddle off." I said, "That's easy preaching." <laughs> Yeah, I want to. I want to see what he does when. He, in, anyway, anyway. <laughs> Some of the things we think while the preacher's preaching. Amen. <laughs> I know you. Amen. Listen, guys, the process of promotion. It's not. It's just not a one-way street where everything goes right all the way to the end. It's a process of falling and getting back up. It's a process of stumbling and standing, fighting and falling. But in the end, when God's through, if he said you're going to be a rock, you're going to be a rock. Y'all with me? 
Let's go to the next one. We're, let's hurry. Here we go. Simon's interview. <clears throat> Simon's interview with Jesus changed his life. It also gave him a new name. Peter in the Greek means Cephas in the Aramaic that Jesus spoke. Or excuse me, Peter in the Greek, Cephas in the Aramaic that Jesus spoke. Both which means a rock. It took a great deal of work for Jesus to transform weak Simon into a rock, but he did it. Thou art to thou shalt be is a great encouragement to all who trust Christ. Truly, he gives us the power to become. Somebody say amen. amen. Let's look at the last thing and we'll be done. We see a revelation. What was number one? Tell me number one real quick. Number one, we see a... Everybody say it. Number one, we see a... Number two, a... Number three, a... Or an and. All right. A, for number four, a... And then number five, a revelation. Look what, look what we see. Verse 43. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth. Now isn't it amazing that every time Jesus found someone, they went out and found someone? Every time. What does that tell us? Anyway, you know what it tells us. All right. Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Here's the, here's the, here's the first thing that's revealed. First, a fulfilled prophecy. Jesus is the fulfillment of all that we've heard about what they're saying. See, all these people, they didn't have a New Testament. All they knew was the Old Testament. All they had was the writings of the prophets. All they had was the Torah. Listen, all they had was, was and, and by the way, by the way, that was enough. Why? Why? Look what Jesus said about it. Look what Jesus said about it. John 5, 39. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Y'all with me? How many, how many of y'all remember Philip? When he went to that eunuch in the desert, he was reading one of the prophets. And you know what the Bible said? At the same scripture, he preached Jesus. He said, is he speaking of a man or some other man? Who's he speaking about? And he said, at the same scripture. It doesn't matter where you are. Do you know the whole Bible is about Jesus? Jesus is the theme of the Bible. He's the truth of the Bible. He's the treasure of the Bible. How many of y'all have ever seen one of them viewfinders? How many of y'all remember them? You're old enough to remember them, amen? Put the little card in there, amen, say amen. You had two eyepieces, but you saw one picture. If you look through the Old Testament and you look through the New Testament, you don't see but one picture, and that's Jesus Christ. All through the Old Testament it says, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. I mean, right from the beginning, when, 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 the, when the Lord was speaking to the devil in the Garden of Eden, he said, the seed of the woman is going gonna to buzz your head. Say amen. You're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to get you. That is a prophetic utterance of the Lord Jesus Christ. And from that point on, it is all over all the time. There shall be a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Somebody say amen. 
He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. And all of a sudden in the New Testament, the angels proclaim to the shepherds in the field, He's here. He's here. He's here. He's here. Somebody say amen. Yeah, the angels. Listen. They, they, it, <laughs> woo, say amen. The shepherds abide in the field by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And they said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. You know what they were saying? He's here. He goes back. He goes back in Acts. He goes back in Acts chapter number 1. He ascends up into glory. And the angels, listen, the angels, they said, they said, why stand you gazing up into heaven? That same one that left, he's coming back the same way. Get busy, get busy. Yeah, in the Old Testament, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. The, new, the, the gospel said he's here, he's here, he's here, he's here. From Acts chapter number 1 all the way to Revelation, he's coming again, he's coming again, he's coming again. 1 Thessalonians four sixteen. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to be with him in the clouds. Somebody say amen. All right, that's enough. i got four minutes. Help me. You see Jesus. They said, we found him. We found him. The one we've heard about. The one we've been told about. The one all the prophets spoke about. Oh, he's the fulfillment of prophecy. The word is true. Amen. It's revealed. We found him. We found him. Now watch this. Everybody needs to get this. What, what did they reveal? What did they reveal? A fulfilled prophecy. Verse 46. Verse 46. I love this. I'm glad God put this in here. And Nathaniel said, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? You know what you want to say? What? Now here's the thing. The Jewish people, they, they, they hated Nazareth. There was a Roman garrison in Nazareth. Not only that, there was really... You know, the morals of the people in Nazareth wasn't too spiffy. Kind of a real immoral area. And he, he's, what's it, what do we see here? Not only is a fulfilled prophecy, but then we find faithless pessimism. Faithless pessimism. Now, I'm, I'm trying to alliterate this so we can remember it. What's the point? You run into somebody negative. Andrew brings Peter... And, man, everything's smooth. Philip tries to bring somebody, and he runs into negative Nelly. Say amen. What what do we learn from this? Everybody you try to witness to is not going to be that jacked up about it. You're going to run into pessimistic people. You're going to run into negative people. You're going to, let me say this. Sometimes, sometimes you're going to run into people who are, are you know, you have, you have pre-church people, that's people that don't go to church, then you have post-church people. That's people that went to church and got their feelings hurt, and now they're mad at everybody. Yeah. And most of the time, if the truth be known, they're mad because somebody hurt their feelings because their focus was on themselves and what they wanted and not what God wanted. Well, I tell you what, that's not me because I had my feelings hurt. And I, you know what the Bible says? 
Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. And if you got your feelings hurt, you might want to evaluate that. That's a whole other message. We're not going to go there. But anyway, when you're witnessing, if you run into negativity, this is what you do. You do the same thing Jesus did. That's what, that's what he did. What, what, what did when they said, where, where are you hanging out? What did Jesus say? Come on, everybody. Help me, help me. We've got one minute and 47 seconds. Come and see. Come and see. When he said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth, what did he say? Why should I go to that temple church? Come and I don't know. Why do you like that so much? Come you just got to come. You just got to check it out. Here's the thing. If you can ever get them to Jesus, he'll do the rest. And here's the thing. Sometimes I get frustrated. <clears throat> Man, I didn't mean to go this long. Sometimes I get frustrated when, when there's people I can't fix. Or I can't convince. I try. It's, come on, man. How many of y'all have, how many? <laughs> Tammy's not in here, right? <clears throat> I don't see her. Tammy, Tammy, Tammy. Anybody see my wife? All right. Tammy's a picky eater. Now, picky's not the word. I'm talking about, you ever heard that person say, no onions? You can wave an onion over a hamburger, and she knows it. I'm talking about that picky. And there's sometimes, there's a food that just tastes like it fell right out of the portals of glory, right onto the plate. And you said, just try it. Just a sliver, just a little tiny, small, just a sliver, just smell it. Like, no! <laughs> and you get frustrated and you want just, if you would just try it, it just come one time. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Now look, that's our secret. All right? I'm telling on nobody. Here's, here's what we do. There's two words. Be patient and be persistent. Just keep saying, you got to come. You just got to come see. I, I can't explain it. Just come see. You know what, what encouraged me about his response? He didn't go into this long theology discussion to explain from all that. He just said, you got to come see, man. That encourages me because that tells me I don't have to know everything. I don't have to be able to articulate every truth about Christ. I just got to say, you just got to see, man. How many of y'all that, that encourage say amen? Amen. amen. Now look, here, here's the last thing. Here's the last thing. <clears throat> A, a fulfilled prophecy. B, a faithless pessimism. And then C, this is the cool part. Look at verse 51. 
Nathaniel, he, he's, all, he's all jacked up about Jesus telling him where he was and didn't even, he didn't even see him. In other words, apparently, this was something that Nathaniel knew that nobody on the planet could know unless he was God. And he told him what, what he was doing under the fig tree that nobody else saw. And he said, oh, wow. And you know what Jesus said? I got something bigger than that. Watch what he says. Verily, verily, I say unto you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angel of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. You know what he's saying? This is a reference. This is a reference to Jacob's ladder in Genesis 28. How many of y'all remember when Jacob was dreaming and there was a ladder going up to God and angels coming down and going up upon that? You know what he said? The only thing he left out of that story was the ladder. You know what he said he was? You get it? Jesus is the ladder. What is the ladder? It's the connection to heaven. Now, if we will tie that in with this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes unto the Father but by me. He is saying, Nathaniel, let me tell you something. You're going to learn, and you're going to find out, and you're going to figure out that I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the ladder. I am the door. Nobody comes in without me. Say amen. And, and anyway, let's, let's pray. I done went over time. Amen. Now listen, here's your homework. Here's your homework. John chapter number 2. John, how many of y'all are glad he's the way? Amen. amen. How many of y'all found that way? Say amen. amen. Now listen, if you don't know that way, we can help you with that way. Because we know all about that way from the Word of God. And the Word of God says you can know that way. Say amen. amen. All right, now here's what we're going to do. We're going to read chapter 2. Everybody read chapter 2 this week. And we're going to start in chapter number 2 next week, if the Lord's willing. Amen? Aren't you glad you came tonight? Amen. All right. Hey, let's be praying. Let's be praying. Uh, here was a question that was given to me after I preached the sermon from Sunday. <clears throat> here was a question that was given unto me, and I'm going to answer it. Lord's willing, if God don't change it. Preacher, how do we instill in our kids to work hard, to do their best, to try as hard as they can, and to encourage him to do that without them feeling so pressured to perform that creates anxiety in their heart. How do we do that? Because, see, here's, here, here's what we... We don't want to create anxiety to the point of discouragement and depression, but we don't want to raise a bunch of sissies neither. You with me? So how do we do both? How do we encourage them to do their very best and make sure they're not in a pressure cooker come Sunday. And, and by the way, by the way, yeah, come and see. Come and see and pray about it. How many of y'all will help me pray for the message this week? How many of y'all pray for the message? All right, all right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to serve you, to study your word, and to be in your house. I pray that your perfect will be done today. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. Good night, everybody. Good night. Gotta shake the dust off my feet and keep marching on. When trouble weighs me.